episode 33, 33, that is, of the Stats Matter podcast. It's here. We're going to recap week 11. Uh, it was a great week of football, and things are coming into focus now. We got week 12 approaching fast. A lot of these divisions that we thought, um, you know, might be clear cut, they were a little, little hazy there beginning mm. part of the season, and now they're getting a lot clearer. Uh, in our cups this week, we got a sour ale from Portland, Oregon. And I actually am revisiting a brewery that I've had on before. I have a uh, double dry hop, uh, double IPA from Equilibrium. Hmm. Wow, if you would have told me before recording this episode that you were going to be the IPA guy this week and I was going to go for a sour, I'd have said no way. Uh, <laughs> look, you know you can find us wherever you get your podcast. You've heard me say it, the spiel, every week. Stay at your Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. And I've been told that... Uh, we're a couple Twitter battles away from infamy behind the at stats podcast handle. And look, we don't slide into any DMS that don't include brewery or potential podcast host behind the at stats, the matter handle on Instagram. So if you've been getting some messages there for a reason and hit us back, <laughs> Tim, let's get into the show. This week I got, I got a sour. It's called jammy pants. It's a tart ale of blueberry, raspberry, and Marion berries from great notion. You've heard me talk about Great Notion before. I always try and pick up these beers wherever I can. And uh, I did a little house shopping this weekend. You know, you got to go and find out where you can get the best deals uh, pre-Black Friday on trying to get some furnishings for the house. Guess what? Didn't find anything. So then we just happened to be out and about, and I was like, okay, well, you know, let's go to a restaurant. And then the restaurant that we wanted to go to was only seating, like, people outside. Uh, and there was like only a couple tables. I was like, all right, cool. I have this place in mind. I've always wanted to go to this place called High Side in Fairfax. Never eaten there. But I always get the untapped notifications and they have a really good beer list. So I'm like, I'll figure the rest out when we get there. We get there. It's an Asian fusion place. And mm. the chicken wings were fantastic. The pork belly over rice, fantastic. But the beer's off the chain. And I got to bring a four pack back with... <laughs> all of these great notion brewing. So I am super excited uh, to crack into this 7% for a sour, which is eh, that's a lot. I will say one of the, uh, one of the super underrated parts of COVID, if there are any, uh, is a lot of the restaurants when you order out um, or go in, sit down and leave and get beers to go, which is amazing. Cause a lot of times you get these restaurants who get beers. You may not normally be able to find, know in your local package stores uh and then they are hawking some of them it's pretty nice it's pretty nice Mm -hmm. thing pours a beautiful pink purplish color uh just fantastic i'm not i'm not even i mean i usually do the two sniffs and looks like the inside of uh a red velvet cake oh so much so much flavor i feel like when you have these sour ales that have all these natural additives in them or you know these few fruit purees that you're either going to go one of two ways. It's going to be too much sugar in the nose. It's going to be just be too much, or it's going to be the opposite. It's just going to be too sour. Great Notion just finds a way to skirt the line right between. It's like if you were a champion surfer, you got to bring up my, uh, you know, Viacondios, uh, you know, point break <laughs> reference here. It would be pretty much like you're, you're a champion surfer, and then you meet a rad dude or gal who just, like, decides to surf 50 footers for no reason that's what great notion is they're so good with their beers that there's just so much flavor it just comes and just wallops you oh man top is a 4.4 this is fucking nice my favorite from great notion is old stack if you've never had it it tastes like a stack of pancakes it's phenomenal 
Phenomenal. I know it sounds weird for a beer, mm. but one of my favorite ones that they make. I mean, at this point, I, I would. Uh, I've seen cereal beers. I've seen beers mm. with glitter in them. I've seen beer with hot peppers. I mean, wh- the only mm. thing we're we're next at is like you know vegan soap or something. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I got one coming for you I on see- the next one. Stay tuned. <laughs> on oh snap! Here we go on the on this on this. On this next episode, you better get your bingo cards ready because, uh, yeah, game on. All right, I have uh, energy. That's an angry chair shout out. <laughs> uh, I have energy equals. <laughs> uh, I may have been incorrect in the intro. I actually don't know if this one is double dry hopped. It's a double IPA though. Um, for me, Equilibrium is one of those that just does like phenomenal work every single time. They're super, super consistent. Um, not every one of their beers is a complete home run, um, but a lot of them really are. Now that they've started distributing, shout out to Vacation Land. You can find them all over Maine uh, and other parts of New England. Um, we get them now in distro here in Connecticut. I've always had somewhat ready access to them because they are right in Middletown, New York, and I'm in Connecticut, not too far over, and the beer trading scene here is pretty healthy. Um, but Equilibrium is one of those that now like new orthodox if i see it out and on a shelf chances are i'm probably gonna buy it um i actually had a another beer lined up for this from a brewery which was which is a brewery out west uh in california called uh i think it was called like oatmeal cookie um barrel aged stout yeah oh man but i'm gonna save that one for thanksgiving so decided in its stead i would uh i would bust this one out so let's let's give it a go it's about eight percent are you a member of the Breweries Reserve Society? I am not. Yeah, they have like a little program where you can get like, you know, discounts on all their, their high volume beers. Because there, there's a brewery store actually not too far from us in D.C. in Union Market. Yes. Uh, I've gone to a couple of can pop-ups. There's one for Equilibrium. There was one for The Veil vale back there a while ago. So nice. I, I got to give credit to the brewery. They always put together beers that like you read the label and you're like, no. Not mm-hmm. no, but like hell no. There's too many adjuncts and there's no way it will work. And then surprisingly, yeah. I mean shocker. I don't wanna I don't want to say you're thunder here, but they work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean if you're if you've never had anything from brewery, it B R U E R Y, we're not spelling it uh or we're not messing up the name. It's actually pronounced a brewery. Um most package stores will carry some of theirs that are distributed more frequently, like um it's like Black Tuesday. Uh, there's another white chocolate one that's on there. Grab them. They're specialty beers. They're going to cost you a little bit more. Grab them, stick them on a shelf, or you know Thanksgiving, those type of events are a perfect time for it. They're great to share. They're great to sit down and just have whenever. But again, they do cost a little bit more of a premium cost, so you're not going to be slugging them every night. But if you see them, grab them. But anyway, this energy equals. Smells like your standard equilibrium, top-notch, fresh double ipa without even tasting it smells like citrus and tangerines and sugar (laughs) oh yeah that's a good one you can tell it's it's thick it's got a lot of body to it because you can actually see some of the the sediment kind of floating around in there you know some beer nerds will tell you to kind of roll the can a little bit before you open it just to kind of Oh yeah, that stuff suspended. Um, no, this is this is really good. Uh, it's no surprise. It's another equilibrium. Um, 
this one has a little bit more of that sort of West Coast style bitter bite on the finish to it. That, but it tastes you know identical to a glass of orange juice, and it it feels when you're drinking it like a glass of orange juice, pulp included. I, I, I love beers one, like um, that. I give that one a solid four. Solid four. Oh wow! I I went up. I thought you would give it like a four point two, but yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That one's a uh, it's great. I would buy it a hundred percent of the time. Um, we've had a couple other better ones, obviously, on, on the show here, but that one's pretty solid. So four, nice. All right. Well, we'll be sipping these, and of course, be on the lookout for these beers wherever you can find them. Equilibrium has a pretty robust distribution on the East Coast. So, I mean, you can always tell their, their cans have like nice foil graphics on them. They really kind of stick out. So if you see them, grab them. And if you see anything from great notion, don't tell anyone, just be very sly about it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just go, Hey brother, uh, can you hand me that, that four pack of Bud Light Platinum over there? <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. See it. It's off the shelf. I'm out. <laughs> Actually f- funny, funny little, uh, story about Bud Light Platinum. Um, Every now and again, I'll pick up a couple seltzers just to keep around because they're generally lower in calories. Um, I picked up some of those Bud Light Platinum seltzers, and while they're 8% and they get the job done a little better, very surprising. They're 170 calories per can, and there's like, I don't even know, like 8 grams of sugar in there. So if you guys are slugging seltzers to watch the waistline, even though you might be tempted by those higher ABVs, Eject, man. Eject, eject, eject. They taste like a cross between a seltzer and a Smirnoff. So there's that, too. The taste isn't oh. quite, quite that awesome. Oh. 19-year-old me, who was definitely not partaking in illegal consumption of beverages named Smirnoff, would, would revolt. All right, we got to get to this week's games. Because, Tim, you got to start the show off. You know how it goes. Whenever we start the show off, usually someone's going to take that L. And this yeah. week, it's you. Sure is, baby. Sure is. Uh, I'm glad we started So take this L, Tim. Take this L. You said they were going to lose. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, I said they were going to lose, and that's exactly what happened. It was a closer game than what I was expecting. But, yes, I do suppose I need to eat this one. Uh, I was really going for the reverse psychology, so you can you can thank me for that. Uh, and in doing so, I okay. actually ignored yeah. <laughs> all of the Thursday night history. Russ is now nine and one all time on Thursday nights, and I know it's just it's a weird stat that people throw around. That is one that doesn't matter because Thursday night, Saturday night, Monday. I, I don't really necessarily think the time of day or the day of the week that they're playing matters that much. But anyway. Uh, it's one of those you can look at and say, okay, yeah, he tends to do well on that night. Um, but this, Sam, is what happens when you take care of the ball. After more than a handful oh, of turnovers. you got to be telling me that. I know this. <laughs> after more than a handful of turnovers in the last two games, he actually didn't turn it over once. He did fumble twice, Thank though. God. So he was flirting a little bit with the turnover monster in this one, too. But it, it didn't take a ton of offense either. Uh, but it was closer than I had expected uh, once the game got going. I thought this was going to be one where Russ was going to quote-unquote cook, as you like to call it. Uh, well, everybody likes to call it now, but 28-21. He was simmering um, for this game, really. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the positive here, though, is the Seahawks was the worst team in the league as far as passing 
yard attempts or passing yards allowed per game. They were at 353 yards per game. They held the Cardinals to less than 300. So that's back-to-back weeks. The teams that they've gone up against have been under 300. Um, so small steps, little victories. Um, Murray, he had another great outing. He was 29 of 42. Uh, but the big takeaway on this one is that he was only held to 15 yards um, rushing. Normally in these wins, he's usually up around 40, 50 yards per game, or at least in around the, the mid-30s. So kind of wonder in a mimic league if this is what you're going to start seeing other teams do. They're going to look at Seattle's game plan, who's, you know, it. we can't get... We can't get too down on uh, Seattle for the defensive play going up against a team like this, so you wonder if it's kind of a step in the right direction, but... You're going to start seeing a lot of these game plans. And if teams can look at this tape, see how Seattle was able to sort of negate not only Murray, but the running game as a whole, you see they tend to struggle to put up points. And if you're going to struggle against a team like Seattle when they're able to negate all of the running in general, uh, pair them up with a team like the Rams who have Darnold or you know someone who has a good pass rusher, it's going to be a little bit of a, a of a problem for the Cardinals, who, you know, yes, can can kind of throw, yeah, but his bread and butter so far has been his able his ability to move the ball on his own, his elusiveness. So if you remove that from the game and pressure the running backs so they're not getting anywhere, you might start seeing these guys start coughing up a couple more L's because it's you know. It's it's a pretty easy game plan to follow. Executing it is very different, but you now have a formula on how to take this guy who is sort of baffling teams around the league and can see, okay, this is how it's done. Let's see if we can expand on this and mimic what they're doing. Mm, that was a nice muted uh, <clears throat> reaction there for that big L that you take to start the, this week <laughs> off, but that's that's okay. That's okay. I, I got uh, I you know we had plenty of time this week to think about it and seattle doesn't play again until you know monday night so uh, don't worry yeah. it will come back sometime this episode uh ben gals <laughs> football team i said look football team is gonna win here by a field goal i think that alex smith he tossed it 55 times completed 40 in his previous game with almost 400 yards so whatever they learn from that game means they're not gonna make the same mistake to leave any time on the clock for the bengals to come back which is what the football team have been suffering from Here's, here's the problem. The football team won this game, but the Bengals paid the iron price in the process, okay? Joe Burrows tore his ACL, MCL, probably fractures his kneecap. There's, like, so much structural damage after he had a, you know, he, he succumbed to a vicious legal bone-crunching hit uh, by two football team defenders, and Ryan Finney came after that and wasn't able to do much in relief, and that was pretty much all she wrote. The football team won 20-9. to nine. Um, Smith touched, tossed a touchdown to Cam Sims, Antonio Gibson racked up 104 total yards and he had another score. And really before the Burr injury, this game was close, which is what we expected it. But the, the wild thing, man, there was an AJ green touchdown. We are 12 weeks into the season. AJ green finally got a touchdown. Uh, and he ain't going to get one probably for the rest of the year. If, if we're being honest. Um, yep. Now the Bengals will have to ride out the rest of the season, you know, with Finney. And then they have to think about like, look, like we took the number one quarterback overall. I don't fault them for that. They could have taken Chase Young, but it, it wouldn't have made too big of a difference with that defense because they're not really able to stop anyone this year. Um, they needed more pieces, but you want to start from the offensive side of the ball. Cool. Go get your rookie quarterback. He was a captain from the get go. 
there are certain quarterbacks that just rise to that position and they're just able to do great things. He was building some of that. They were always going to win some games they weren't supposed to this year, but they weren't going to go 0-16. And I think that there's a lot of people in Cincinnati who have to take a look at, at their rebuild process. Mm-hmm. And it's so much more complicated now with the potential long-term damage to their, their stud, their, their star quarterback. Yeah. Like you have to get creative with the cap space going forward. You offloaded Carlos Dunlap because he didn't want to be there. Great. He's now doing great things in Seattle. You need to figure out like Mixon's on IR. Like, what are you going to do going forward? Oh, and by the way, your franchise quarterback got hit 70 times this season and we're in week 11. And one of those hits took him out for the year, possibly yeah. the, you know, a good part of next season as well. So like yeah. you have to, you have to rebuild from the line, you know, O and D. And then you have to, you have to go get another running back. You have to go get another wide receiver. There are so many things that they have to do. And it's just sort of like Bengals, you went out and you got the whiz bang coach and Zach Taylor. Then you went out and you got the quarterback with the pedigree, but could you have swapped that first pick? for a couple others, knowing that a guy like Tua or, or Justin Herbert was there, we may never know what the outcome of that will be. But, man, if you were a quarterback and you're going to play at, at Landover Field, there are just so many bad injuries that happen there. I don't know if it's the turf or it's just, like, a bad juju. Like, maybe they need to knock the stadium down and move it somewhere else. Like, people have, like, torn ligaments there. Like, it just happens a lot. I, I don't get it. Yeah. But, ooh, it was uh, – it, it was a pretty crazy game. Let's let's give credit to where credit is due. The football team outlasted the Bengals, and they took advantage of that situation. And when Riverboat Ron was hemming and hawing, saying that the NFC East is wide open, we all like were like laughing, like, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah take a seat." I mean, I don't think he could have predicted all the injuries were going to happen, but I think he predicted his team was going to be enough to keep him close. And now Ron looks like he's coming up big before the flop, because here we are waiting for the river to happen. And it's just like, everything seems to be going the football team's way. They're being able to stack wins against some outside of division opponents. And they've won a couple of division games. And you're like, yeah, this wasn't supposed to happen this year. So I don't know what's going on there, but this is, this was a very interesting game. That's uh brutal with Burroughs. I saw some of the reports afterwards uh, that not only was it a ACL MCL, but there was also other damage around the knee. So typically that, type of injury takes closer to like a year ish to, to bounce back yeah. from. So yeah, you're right. It's this season plus m- most of next season. Yeah. Do you want to take a little moment here and say, uh, you know, say, a say a thought <clears throat> moment of silence for the hashtag let Jory roar movement. Yeah. It never really got going, but yeah. in, uh, in memoriam, I'll, I'll, I'll pour one out for him and for you into my belly. <laughs> uh, yep. All right. So I had Falcon Saints. Um, I said there was going to be no faith in, or that I had no faith in, uh, in Jameis and that the Ryan, uh, that Matt Ryan and the defense would come in and put a stop with that and, or would put up some defense, but ultimately Winston would stop himself. Um, apparently, I wasn't the only one that had no faith in Winston. Uh, His own team did not either as he missed what was supposed to be his first start for the Saints with Drew Brees out uh, indefinitely. And the Saints decided to go with Taysom Hill, a career tight end, who at the age of 30 is making his first quarterback start. You heard lots of conversations around what his ability was and almost nobody 
across any kind of news broadcasting agency, sports reporting agency, had any idea what to expect because the man has thrown less than like 30 passes in his NFL career. Um, there's a couple of really funny rants you can go and find on uh, Instagram and, and YouTube. But proved to be the right move as they steamrolled the Falcons. Like it wasn't, mm. this game wasn't mm. even close. This was out of control. Taysom went 18 of 23. He had 233 yards and had zero interceptions. He was very mobile. Uh, he did cough the ball up once by way of a fumble, but he ran for 50 yards and two touchdowns. The last time the Saints have had a quarterback that was that mobile and was able to do that was back in the 70s, and it was a one Archie Manning, uh, which is a fun little fact. So it's been a little while since... You know, Drew Brees definitely had moments where he was somewhat elusive or could keep drives going, say, more than, like, a Tom Brady, but maybe not as much as, like, an Aaron Rodgers. But I wouldn't necessarily qualify him as a quote-unquote mobile quarterback. So the fact you've had someone come in who's had this much success in one sample size, let's not get too carried away. Um, But it's tough to argue the decision to start him when that's the kind of game he had. Now it was against Atlanta again, so... Their defense isn't much better than Seattle's, so this might not be one to really hang your hat on, but it's still some positive momentum, um, which is pretty much the opposite of what the Falcons have going for them right now. The Saints have historically had Atlanta's number. Um, they had a very similar outing last season. This time around, they sacked Ryan eight times, and they ho- they held him to a terrible, terrible 48.5 rating for the day which is you know at the start of the season he was out slinging the ball all over the place he was putting up a ton of points it was their defense that was really letting them down this game he went 19 of 37 he did have 232 yards but he also threw two interceptions so another rough outing for atlanta this time you have to point your fingers at both sides of the ball while Ryan was able to go out and and find some form of productivity he also gave the ball up a couple times it's that one's a tough one um they just look a little bit like a mess they're definitely lost right now trying to find who they are it was the return of michael thomas though uh after injury he came back he had a couple quiet games uh those two games are the reason i sat him this weekend even though i knew atlanta would be a risk to allow a lot of yardage um and while he didn't have a touchdown, he had 12 targets, and he had over 100 yards. So nice to see him getting back in action. Thanks for nothing over the last two weeks. Glad you're back and healthy and blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the move going forward. If Taysom can hold up against an actual a team that has some actual defense there. But good start. Interesting to see what happens. If he can prove to be a little bit more like a Kyle Murray-type player where you have to account for his ability to run the ball. I think it's not going to be as big of a loss for the Saints. The fact that they're still getting some of their key players a lot of yards uh, on the receiving side. Maybe that bodes well for them for the next couple of games because they're, you know, they want a game. They squeak out a few more wins and, you know, they're already in the hunt for the wild card. So we'll see what happens. Interesting. It'll be an interesting team to watch. Yeah. And it was an interesting. Uh, time to <clears throat> leave Taysom Hill on the bench in one league, nor pick up Matt Ryan and start him in the other league, where he <laughs> ended with negative one point 
two fantasy points or something like that. Just a brutal day. And I lost to my wife in that league. Just terrible. Oh. Shout out to Charles. <laughs> <clears throat> I had the points on the bench. And she called it bench Midas. And I suffered from it that week. All right. Steelers yeah. Jags. Like I said, the Steelers may never lose again. Um, they just have too much firepower to be slowed down by the Jaguars. They're going to win by at least a touchdown here. And guess what, Tim? The Steelers may never lose again because the Jags absolutely imploded here. Uh, they kept pace with the Packers, but they couldn't do a damn thing with the Steelers. Jake Lutton, four interceptions. And outside of James Robinson's 94 yards, no one else in the team did anything, which is bad because Lutton split time with six different receivers for over 10 yards apiece. No passing, no rushing touchdowns, one field goal. That's it. I mean, the Steelers have a, a quartet on offense that's just downright scary. Um, whenever you face them, you basically have to pick your poison. And you hope that you pick correctly, because if you don't, 75% of the time you're going to be wrong. Between Juju, Connor, Chase Claypool was like come out of nowhere. Like that just – that guy was a tight end, wide receiver, flex, what? Like how did they do this? And then Deontay Johnson, like he was injured. He came back and looks like he hasn't even messed a step. Like when you go against the Steelers – you absolutely need a heavy, heavy counterpunch. And if you don't possess it, you don't have a choice because, again, they have four options they can hurt you with. And you're only really going to be able to stop one or two of them. So, like, you've, you've got to find a way to keep up. And I don't even think the Steelers have to be on point for most of their games from here on out. They just have to have a couple of their offensive stars, like, get going in a game, and that's it. It's over. I mean, they can, they can afford to take an entire quarter off or an entire half off and then come back in the fourth and just say, all right, cool, we're going to go put a touchdown up or get Boswell a couple field goals, and that's that's what it's going to be. I mean, it's going to take a team that can either find a way to slow that offensive quartet down, which 10 teams have tried and failed, or boat race them. That's it. I don't think that, I don't, there's not another way you can beat this team. Like, there's, there's not been a team on the Steelers' schedule thus far that could really take it to them. And outside of the Ravens and the Bills, I'm not sure there's going to be one on this schedule. So could they go 16 and 0? 100% they could. I think 14 and 2 at this point might even be a pipe dream. We might even be looking at a 15 and 1 team and might need to be talking about how Ben might be the MVP of the season because he's going out there and stayed healthy for all 16 games. That might be something we have to talk about. Now, if there's any one thing about the team that scares me a little bit, that actually makes them mortal, it's their run game. Okay. James Conner, if you drafted him, you know you haven't re- received the return on investment. He just, he, like, for whatever reason, the line is giving Ben time to hit five and seven step drops, but it's not allowing the run game to sort of progress. Is that on the O line? Is it on the, the runners? I don't know. You know, between Connor and Benny Snell, like, they should be feasting behind that line. The offense is, is humming along. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. So that could be like the only thing that I see being a weak point for this team but ben five interceptions this year that's it you know what i mean and he's healthy at this point tomlin and co don't need to feel like they have to run the ball or they have to pass the ball because they can do whatever they want at will and right now no team can keep up with their receivers so why the like the eye test tells you that the running game is like kind of bogging down that's the only thing you need to be worried about at this point because they can pass you right off the field and i think we knew this was going to happen coming into this game so i you know thoughts and prayers for the jaguars dbs because they got burnt all kinds of ways in this game but my goodness like can someone beat this team please it'll happen it'll happen i'd say that as a bitter patriots fan 
that's that's all. <laughs> uh, Patriots, Texans. Um, I thought the Texans were more inconsistent with the, than what the Pats were, and I thought the Pats were going to win this one by ten. Uh, while this one was a very entertaining game to watch, it was actually a pretty big surprise on many levels for me. Um, you saw uh, Bird come out as a threat for New England. You saw both quarterbacks kind of balling out, which was uh, kind of fun to watch also. It was 27-20. Houston got it. Um, but both guys threw the ball for 340 plus yards apiece, and neither of them had turnovers. Uh, Watson scrambled quite a bit to help extend quite a few plays, including a touchdown. But the bigger surprise was that the Texans as a team looked like a high-quality team. Uh, They were moving the ball well. Their defense was playing well enough. Despite Cam putting up a ton of yardage, their defense had that bend, don't break mentality. They uh, were giving up yards. They were, you know, putting themselves in positions to have points put up on them and still holding to, you know, relatively low scores because despite the the overall yardage. Um, I thought the Texas offense looked phenomenal. Uh, Seven guys in double digit receiving yards, three of which had 80 plus yards. Cam looked pretty decent as well, but the eye test kind of failed despite what the numbers look like. He really struggled on numerous occasions to hit guys who were wide open. And I'm not talking like he missed them, like he overthrew them or it was just a bad pass. There were several, several plays, especially in the last uh, two quarters of that game, where he had a short, like, eight-yard pass, 10-yard pass, and he was throwing it, like, at the ground, like, two or three yards or two or three feet in front of the receiver. And it was it was painful to watch, too, because a lot of them would have continued extending drives. Uh, a lot of them were guys who had... Uh, nobody around them so they would have caught it and gone for at least three or four yards if not more than that after the catch and he was just missing those he missed a ton of, i mean he missed a bunch of those in the first half but the second half those are the ones that really really killed him um and also what was weird is the hail mary attempt at the end was a little suspect because he came up well short of the end zone even though new england came down with the ball it wasn't even close to the end zone and it wasn't it was it wasn't like an overly long throw. You're a professional quarterback in the NFL. You should be able to to make that kind of pass. He threw it like a mile in the air, and it came down about 15 yards shy of the end zone. So didn't even really give him a chance at the end to win. Uh, I know he's never been well, known for like his... They had nine seconds left, didn't they? They had nine seconds left. He scrambled a little bit, got the ball down there. Izzo caught the ball, but he was so he was so short that, you know, they, there was zero time to try and do anything with the ball after the fact, but it was weird that he didn't even get it into the end zone. Like a Hail Mary isn't, I'm going to throw this downfield. You're going to catch it and then try and scramble in for a touchdown. It's got to make it into the end zone. You got to give you guys an opportunity to, to just come down with the ball, which, you know, we've seen over the last, the last couple of weeks and it just wasn't there. His arm looked, it just didn't look like he had enough oomph or arm strength to get it there. So that that was a little disappointing, but overall, I thought it was an entertaining game. Um, I'll take losses like that every day. It wasn't a blowout. Texas just happened to come out, put a decent game together. 
you've been waiting for Deshaun to earn his paycheck that he got this offseason. You've been waiting for that team to kind of, you know, flash a little bit more of what they're capable of doing. You have guys like J.J. Watt, even though he's getting older. He must have had like six or seven bats uh, at the at the line of scrimmage. One of them almost turned into an interception, which Cam Newton jumped up and slapped out of the air right before he caught it. So um, they look like a quality team. They look like they had it all together. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take that kind of loss over, over a blowout any day. Um, I think it's too little too late for the Texans or, you know, two and seven, they'd have to go on a hell of a streak while the rest of their division gave up a lot of wins in order to really make any sort of major moves, but good for them. Pat's still struggling to kind of find who they are all to four and six on the season, which is crazy to to think of that uh just what we've had over the last couple of years but i'm i'm here for it it's at the beginning of the season i'm here for it still here for it i'll, t- I'll take these kind of losses <laughs> all day every day this throughout this football season yeah you guys are gonna go like uh four and uh four and twelve and still make the wild card because the afc's trash and then come back and win the Super Bowl next You never year. know. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, with who? With Trevor Lawrence? Tank for Trevor? <laughs> anyways. Anyways. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, we, we can't. We can't allow you to pontificate about that. Eagles, Browns. <laughs> Look, I said, <laughs> I said, give me the team that I, that I think is going to, you know, rely on a dual threat running back, Jarvis Landry, and as Miles Garrett. Uh, go, Browns, go. Miles Garrett didn't even play in this game. So really, this this game should have been a lot closer. But uh, Tim, maybe you heard there are actual calls for Carson Wentz went to be benched, Wentz mm. to bench, bench on a shelf, right? Um, I've, I've heard of that actually. I, I don't hate I don't hate them for that because Carson looks absolutely atrocious this season, and the Eagles by by default look atrocious. I wonder if we're far enough removed from this Super Bowl victory a few years ago where we can finally say, listen. You won that Super Bowl because you had the right talent and the best coaches because all those coaches are now on other teams, and you ain't done squat since. Yep. You paid this man. You ain't got no return investment on him, and you can you fail at consistently getting healthy players in that franchise. There is something fundamentally wrong. I like to use that phrase a lot because it's just like you can tell now like who the, who the beggars and the choosers and the pretenders are. The Eagles look like pretenders right now. Like, cool, we got this Lombardi trophy. Good for you. Um, Because you needed to take every trick in your book and, you know, on a quarterback sneak through the Philly Philly. Like, where is all that ingenuity? Where is all this ability? What, Like, what happened? How do you lose to the Giants? And then how do you lose to the Browns? It just doesn't make sense. Like, the the, the final score is 22-17. But don't let that fool you. The Browns were in control of this, like, the entire time. Baker Mayfield didn't even throw a touchdown. He didn't throw an interception either. Nick Chubb had 114 yards on the ground. Kareem had the goal line touchdown. And a defensive back named Taki Taki, for his last name. That was was kind of (laughs) funny. Had a 50-yard pick six. Wentz had another pick in this game, okay? And he was sacked five times. One of those for a safety. No scheme. No plan. Just throw a bandage on and hope it goes out there. Whatever Philly Grease thinks that that they have to keep the skids going, Mm -hmm. it is not working. And these Eagles look nothing like what we thought coming in. We thought, all right, cool. Dallas is going to win the division, but the Eagles could keep it interesting. But like, 
man, if the Eagles went to the top of the mountain, they have fallen off mightily and they are just tumbling down the mountainside. Like how, how do you do this? Because 235 yards and two touchdowns should get you by a lot of teams. Those two picks you should be able to overcome. But the Eagles ran up on a big bulldog and then they got mauled and they had no answer. And at this point in the season, you're just like, what are you doing here, Eagles? Hmm. You have a backup quarterback. I understand you paid Wentz a lot of money. That's not me. That's not a me problem. That's a you problem. And if you really care about that scheme and that system going forward, then you might need to start shaking some things up. What do you have to lose at this point? You, you like you're in a division like the NFC East where you can possibly make a quarterback change for a couple of games and maybe still stay in the stick of, in, in the thick of things because the rest of your division is a dumpster fire. You absolutely should be having conversations with Carson that like if he doesn't get it together, like it's over. I like I, I'm not even a, like a Philly fan, and like I would assume most Philly fans have a much more colorful reaction to the way Carson Wentz has been playing this season, and it's filled with a lot more f bombs, and every one of them is rightly f bomb deserved. Yeah, Wentz is one of those surprises for me coming into the season. You kind of had a lot of high hopes for him, but he's thrown interceptions, most of which have been two per game, but he's he's thrown an interception in all but two games this season, which is insane. Uh, as far as completion percentage goes, I think he's averaging like 57, 58% or something like that. Um, so yeah, there's something that's definitely off there. It's, I, I, he's another one I can't tell what that is, whether or not it's the receiving core that he has, it's the team around him. I don't, I don't quite know, but there is something, yeah, that's, that's off there, which is too bad. And shout out to several of my colleagues who I know are big Philly fans. Uh, sorry. Uh, I know you were leading the division for a brief moment there, but the consolation prize is no bueno because that's really what that division is. It's a participation trophy and someone just needs to win like one <laughs> a game. A participation trophy with a home playoff game. Yeah. The only reason the only reason you guys are first in that division is because you have a tie and that tie is not considered a loss. Otherwise you're in the same boat. Um mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. sorry, 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 sorry. All right. Uh I have the Lions and the Panthers, and I thought this one was gonna be an easy one. Um injuries all over the place. Christian McCaffrey out. Sorry. No bueno. Uh the Lions and their streaky behavior is just killing me week in and week out. Because like I said, no McCaffrey, no problem. No, 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 no. The Lions when bad are just really, really bad. Stafford finished 18 of 33. Only had 178 yards, but their running game just couldn't get it going. They had three guys who all registered touches. One of them was Stafford himself. They combined for a total of like 45 <laughs> yards. That's, oh, that's, that's pretty bad when your quarterback is it. like, yo, let me pass and run. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, it just wasn't good at all. The, uh, the running game could not get themselves going. It was like 17 yards, 18 yards, and like six yards spread across the three guys who had touches. Um, it continues the up and down trend of the Lions. Uh, despite going up against a team with their star players, their star, their starting quarterback, all not playing in the game, and they could not stop them from marching downfield and scoring points. So that Philip Walker, who this is the first time I'm hearing the name Philip Walker, 
put up 24 of 34 attempts and 258 yards. They did pick him off twice, and they caused the fumble, and they still could not stop them from marching down the field. Some of those early calls for Patricia's head might start sounding a little bit louder, even though they've had some relative success over the last couple weeks. This this was not that level of a success. This is more of what we saw at the start of the season through like the middle of the season and more of what we saw last season as well. So when you're going up and you're losing against the team who is down like the Panthers are, who, you know, they've pretty much accepted their fate this season, and you're playing that poorly against those guys, yeah, man, you're, you're in for a long second half of the season. Yeah. Brutal. <clears throat> sorry, Matt. Not sorry. Kind sorry, of. not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Titans, Ravens. Look, I said uh, this game is definitely going to overtime, and the winner is scoring a touchdown. Because both these teams were 6-3. and three. They were both coming off a loss, and they needed to prove that they weren't a flash in the pan. Tim, mm. you're going to need to change my name on this podcast from Sam to Sam Stradamus. All mm. hail Sam mm-hmm. Stradamus. I'm so good at these things. This game went to OT, and this game was won by a walk-off touchdown from Derrick Henry, who had 133 yards in this game. Titans won 30-24. I think I, I might have originally called this game for the Ravens, so we'll just kind of edit that part out. But, uh, look, I wanted them to get their act together. But the fall that we are seeing from the Baltimore Co- – sorry, not the Baltimore Colts, the Ravens, it's unnerving. Like, teams must have spent so much time watching every scrap of film about Lamar – because he looks like a shell of himself. Like defenses have figured out that like the Ravens have injuries, not a big deal. The Ravens have star players, also not a big deal. Like Hollywood Brown, no fantasy points for me whatsoever. Thankfully, he was on the bench this time because I made the mistake of starting him a couple times. But like, where is the deep threat outside of Mark Andrews in the running game? Like, you don't have anything going on in that team right now. And the defense just allows whoever to walk in and score some points. Like, I don't know if it's the reluctance to, to change the scheme or if it's like COVID or, or something else that's like going on, but like, yo, this team is just stumbling hard. And I, I think we, we have to talk about it now. We're 10 weeks into the season. The last time that a Greg Roman offense was figured out was with a one Colin Kaepernick. That guy came out for the 49ers was lighting the league on fire. No one could stop him. They went to a Super Bowl, almost went back to another one. Then teams figured it out. And the scheme mm-hmm. didn't change. Greg Roman moves around, goes to another team, gets a young, unbelievable talent in Lamar Jackson. That scheme maximizes that. Ooh, we had a whirlwind season last year. Now teams have figured them out. And we're right back to where we started from. So, so what is going on here? Like, If the scheme is great and, it, and it's used basically to maximize Lamar's talent, then why does it not have change-ups? Why does it not have curveballs? Why does it not have all these things that can allow the game to continue to go? Because right now, the Ravens are a one-trick pony, a one-jump-shot show, and that is Lamar Jackson. And teams have figured out that if you stop Lamar Jackson, that you can do whatever you want to them, and they're not going to win the game. Now, going into this week's Thursday night game, against the Steelers, where they absolutely need everyone, all hands on deck. You need mm-hmm. to stop the bleeding. They have five players on the COVID-19 reserve list right now. Yep. I mean, at this point, the Browns, seven, seven and three. The Ravens, six and four. 
could we see a scenario where the Steelers win the division and the Browns make the playoffs and the Ravens do not? I mean, I really think I think it could happen. And that is shocking. Absolutely terrifying. You get a guy that was a league MVP, number two, you know, top 100 NFL players, and that team ain't doing a damn thing the next year. Like, wow, what a fall from grace. Yeah, I have him on my fantasy team, and he's getting benched this weekend because he's just not. That ain't it, fam. That ain't it. All right, I got uh, I got Jets, Chargers. Um, hey, good news. Jets actually made a game of it for a hot second in this one, uh, but then they were also knocked out of the playoffs officially this weekend. So there's that, too, as an indication of what this weekend was and what the Jets' season is. Yeah, the first team to become officially out of contention this season. Blacko did get the start again for New York this week, completing 15 to 30. Managed 205 yards and two touchdowns to keep it interesting. But a monster game by Herbert was just too much to overcome. Herbert threw 366, missing only 12 of his 49 attempts. He racked up three touchdowns, had no turnovers. And Keenan Allen was just a monster in this game. 145 yards and a touchdown. Seven other receivers got got in on the action, all recording receptions as well. Uh, six of them or five of them were in double digits. So, all in all, another decent outing from a team that should have a better record than what the Chargers do. They've had a lot of heartbreaking losses that have come, you know, with in one possession of winning games that they obviously have fallen short of. But uh, it was a game where Herbert was literally picking his targets and connecting at will. Um, Chargers got a lot of promise. Unfortunately, at again, another team at two and seven. I don't think they're going to have enough time to bounce that around or turn that around or anything like that. Uh, but I think their, their, their star looks good or their, their, their star shines a little brighter going into next season. This one is just, you know, in a weird of, in a season of weird things, the Chargers are one of those anomalies that should have a better record than what they do. So, great game on Herbert. Oh, uh, yeah. Jets going to Jet. I took up too much of your time breaking down that game because, again, it's the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jets going to Jet. And somehow, Adam Gay still has a job. That's mm-hmm. weird world we live in. All right, Dolphins-Broncos. <clears throat> I said, look, Tua hasn't even had one of those big breakout games yet, but I have to wonder if now the teams have had at least three games of film study on him, if they can't find a way to stop him, right? Uh, and I said, Lord knows Vic Fangio has to get his squad to start circling the wagons, and Drew Locke has to sharpen his play up. So I just said, I don't see that happening this week, and I thought the Dolphins would win by at least a touchdown. Now, I mean, I listen to our episodes, obviously when we're recording, and then I listen to them when they come out on the podcast platforms, Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Go listen to it right now. Um <laughs> But did I? I don't recall saying. Did I say that, like there's no way that the Dolphins would lose this game because I feel like I jinxed them, and that's what happened here. Like the Dolphins came out hot, two had a touchdown, and then they fell apart like right after that. It was like, what in the world is going on here? Two was sacked six times, and head coach Brian Flores was like, "Come out the game, young man. We're gonna send Fitz Magic in there." Now that dude didn't have enough magic to win the game, right? He ended up walking back down the field. He threw a back-breaking interception um, towards the red zone with, like, two minutes to go. But, like, man, what happened here? Like, Melvin Gordon, 18 fantasy points on my bench. 
courtesy of those two rushing touchdowns, both from 20 yards out that he had. He would have had a massive day if he didn't fumble the third touchdown. Like, the Dolphins had no answer whatsoever, and the Broncos just decided to run it down their throat at will. Both Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon had over 80 yards apiece. And though Gordon got the scores, I mean, Lindsay was going to do the same thing. Everyone was going through that line like a hot knife through butter. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Drew Locke, 270 through the air, 119 of that to Tim Patrick. Brandon McManus, two field goals. That put the game away, even though the, the final score looks like it's a one-possession game. Like We knew that once Vaughn Miller went down, that the Broncos' defense was, was going to be tough all year. It, it, they just weren't going to play the way that we're used to seeing them. But they're going to have moments where they can still put it together, I suppose. And I should have like had the foresight to be like, mm, maybe this is a trap game for the Dolphins. But Flores was smart. Look, Rook, go out there, learn the ropes, get tossed around. Oh, cool. It's not as easy as you think it is. We're going to learn from this. After what happened to Joe Burrow in the 1 o'clock games, I mean, I can't say whether or not that that factored into Flores' decision-making, but you would have to think that it had something to do with it. You know what I mean? Like, Six sacks. All right, come on out the game. You don't even have 100 passing yards at this point. There's no point in throwing you back out there. Like, you are clearly not seeing the field the way we need to, and I need to think long-term. Kudos to Flores for that. But, man, I did not see that happening. No, 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 no. Fitz was probably really pumped until he turned back into Fitz and threw an interception. <clears throat> uh <laughs> Let's see. Uh, next up, we've got Cowboys and Vikings. I would have told you going into this game, and I did tell you it was the Vikings. I thought the Cowboys just had too much to overcome in order to uh, win any reasonable games. Uh, and once again, I was very wrong. Uh, again, Cowboys, <laughs> Cowboys won, and people around the league and fandom everywhere celebrated as if they had just won the Super Bowl. There's a very, very deeply unsettling video of Skip Bayless floating around the internet where he's dancing in his oh, Cowboys attire. Yeah. It made me physically uncomfortable. It was awkward. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this one was basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the worst. You can't see it, guy. but I'm doing, I'm mimicking the same dance. Yeah. Yeah, it's the worst, like, not just white guy dancing, it's, like, old man white guy dancing. It is it is pretty bad. Um, and in a game where Dalvin Cook had 115 yards rushing, uh, close to 100 yards in receiving, and just went ham, it was still not enough to overcome the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, Andy Dalton did come back this game. He was the starter, 22 of 32, 203 yards through three touchdowns, did throw an interception. Um, It's just surprising to me that in a game where Kirk Cousins had no turnovers and threw for 314 yards himself, that they would come up short. But this was basically, let's give the ball to Ezekiel Elliott as many times as we can. The man had 21 carries on the day. He only had on three yards. They did stop him a little bit, but he also had a, a, a receiving touchdown, so they were finding ways to make it somewhat interesting. Dalton moved the ball around quite a bit. Uh, he had six guys in double digits as well, so this was more about Andy Dalton and the Cowboys clicking, firing on all cylinders for one game. 
we'll see what this means going forward. I mean, Amari Cooper had 81 yards. Uh, he led the uh, the receiving core in uh, total yardage. Had no touchdowns himself either. Adam Thielen on the other side, he had 123 points. So between him and Dalvin Cook, those numbers sound like that would have been an easy win. But Cowboys pulling off the improbable, sneaking out a win. Calm down, Cowboys Nation. You guys have uh, a lot of ground to cover before you're even in the conversation for uh, a first round. Absolutely don't. They're in the NFC East. They're in the NFC East. They don't have anything to worry about. They they need the football team and the Giants to lose some games. Yeah. The forecast looks good. Well, I I don't know, man. The Giants, as of late, have been playing incredibly well. So I, I, the Cowboys just need to settle down. You're, you you did win a game, uh, (laughs) but come on now. Come on now. Uh, Good stuff. All right. Packers, Colts. Look, I said it's entirely possible that the multifaceted run game by the Colts could keep up with the Packers aerial attack. And I'm, I said, I won't, I'm, I'm going to go upset. I'm going to pick the Colts and, and win by one. Sam Stradamus strikes again. The Colts <laughs> took that pack team to overtime and then forced a turnover in overtime and then kicked a field goal from 39 yards out and sent the Packers packing. Um, look, Tim, you're a fisherman, right? Mm, I do love me some fishing. Okay, you know sometimes like you really want to fight the fish when it's like close, but you realize that the long game is better, so you let the fish just take the line. Okay, turn that drag down, baby. Yep, you let it. You let it go a mile out, and then you slowly start reeling it back in. You you play the long game. You're out there. You know you got something big on the line. You're like, listen, listen, Linda, listen. It's gonna be like 45 minutes to an hour of me fighting with you, but you're worth it. And I'm I'm playing the long game. That's what the Colts did here. That's exactly what they did. They set the hook. They let the pack go up 21-7 on them. Then they came in within a touchdown. Then they scored some field goals. And then they took it to overtime. And then the defense swarmed and got a fumble. And then they tried to get some more yards, which was a futile attempt because they didn't get no yards. And they kicked the field goal and won the game in overtime. Both quarterbacks, almost 300 yards average, three touchdowns, one interception, a sack apiece. Literally, I mean, either quarterback – like there's nothing you could have really wanted them more to do. Like those are the, those are the numbers that you want them to have. Okay. Um, and yet it's the Colts off of Rodrigo that kicked three field goals in regulation to get them to overtime. And then another one to go ahead and ice it. Um, this sucks for the Packers, but let's be honest, their running game was DOA and the Colts were content to just continue to grind out any yards they could get short dump offs, tight end screens. Jonathan Taylor had 90 yards. I mean, if you're Aaron Rodgers, A.A. Ron Rodgers, you have to be fuming. Like, you have to go to Marquez Valdez-Scantling in overtime on a slant, and the, the ball, like, he fumbles it. The Colts hop on top of it. They kick a field goal three plays later. He's a big part of why you're at where you are in the season. He has those amazing chunk plays because that's what Rodgers does. He, he, he is able to wide receiver whisper in ways that other quarterbacks aren't. But you have to play a complete game against a team against a team like the Colts, who ha- who has a good defense, and they have Philip Rivers behind there. We know Rivers is going to give you one, but Rivers is also going to toss some touchdown picks, and you have to go toe to toe with him. Devontae Adams, hundred plus yards, touchdown, didn't matter. Like you can't ask for much more than that. Like the Colts were like, listen, this fish is scared. 
We're going to give it all the line that it wants, and we're going to rail it back in. And then when it's not even paying attention, we're going to spear it right in the head and pull it on board. And that's exactly what happened in this game. Like Rogers said that he was disappointed that they didn't make a play at the trade deadline for some more offensive weapons. Can you imagine how different this game would have been if Brandon Cooks or Will Fuller was playing in a Packers uniform? They could have won this game by a touchdown, maybe more. But no, I guess as the old folks say, we'll never know. I uh, I feel like that's the same conversation you have all the time with Aaron Rodgers. And I wish we did more. I wish we had more talent, blah, 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 blah. You're running Court, including yourself, had a total of 66 points. Oh, trash. Unbelievably so low. Yeah. And before we start pointing our fingers at, uh, you know, other guys fumbling the ball, your man A-Rod also coughed the ball up on the ground as well as through an interception. So, I don't know. There are some other quarterbacks in the league he's compared to that have found ways to uh, win with nobody's yeah every single time you hear this man talk mm-hmm. it's more about let's get me some offense let's get some guys on my team i'm, I'm disappointed this I'm disappointed i don't think that. he sounds like that nobody from green bay sounds like that tim they say don't you know if we had a couple more receivers we really could be making some offense out there boys that sounds a little bit like what you would sound like if you were whining every season because you're not getting talent um i won't i won't name names there's a guy he played and he's constantly compared to uh, who has gone up with relative no names? One of the guys you just mentioned uh, was a no name. Oh, I, I know the until, answer to this one. Yeah, yeah. Hold oh, on. I, I know the no answer to this one. Until he played with this quarterback, and now suddenly everybody knows his name because he turned him into that kind of player. And they shut them off because he's concussion prone. Uh, but the man needs to like figure it out and understand that you're not going to get it. You got to make do with what you have. Stop blaming other people. You got to stop doing it. You put up 311 mm-hmm. yards. You just didn't close when you needed to. That's all it is. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Kansas City Raiders. This is my turn to be a little Nostradamus-like because I thought it was Chiefs barely. Maybe the Raiders could eke it out, but I thought the Chiefs were going to win this one by a little bit, and that is exactly what happened in this game. 35, 31 Chiefs. Derek Carr played incredibly well in this game. Uh, He threw one interception. So did Patrick Mahomes. Three touchdowns, 275 yards total. Mahomes had 348 yards, but still came up. Just barely winning this game. The Raiders actually looked like they had an opportunity to take this one, but they had that back-breaking interception with under a minute left when they had the ball on their last possession, turning it over to the Cowboys, even with their full allotment of timeouts. Could, I mean, the Raiders still had their allotment of timeouts. The Chiefs just melted out, or I think they had two timeouts. But in any event, the Raiders had an opportunity to take this game. Carr looked better going up against an actual team that posed some difficulty. They've looked good against other teams that weren't as good as the Chiefs were. So they've been one of those teams that, you know, are they good this this week? Are they bad this week? Are they good? And we've gone back and forth on this particular podcast. But I thought they looked really good yesterday or uh, on Sunday. And I thought they were really going to have a chance to pull this one out. Uh, It was a surprising game for me. Mahomes doing Mahomes things. He only missed 
uh, 10 of his attempts, or sorry, 12 of his, 11 of his attempts. Uh, Travis Kelsey got in. Uh, he threw one pass and uh, unfortunately went for four yards, but he is on the record as a uh, passer on the day with an 83% rating. So shout out to him. Um, Card distributed the ball pretty evenly. Not one player on the receiving side broke the 100-yard mark on the day, uh, but they relied mostly on the receiving core to carry them as close to winning as they did. Uh, they had under 100 yards rushing on the day, so typically for me, when I see them rely a little heavily on Carr's arm, I get a little bit more wary. I don't think it's going to go as well as this one turned out to do, so... You know, maybe they've sort of figured something out here. The Chiefs have been one of those teams that have almost lost a couple close games to teams that maybe not, that are not in the same caliber or in the same bracket as they are. So they're kind of an interesting team this year where, yeah, they're just continuing to go out, win games. They're 9-1 and one now. But they've had a couple really, really close games, teams that should have been blown, blowouts. Um, even though I thought this one was going to be close, I thought this was more the Raiders finding a way to win the game because they've been able to do that this season less about the chiefs playing down to their level, but the chiefs seem each week to play to the level of whoever they're playing against. They don't have a ton of just blowout games, which is a little surprising to me. They're going to continue to win games, but I wonder how long before, you know, you get into the playoffs and you start getting some of these close games. They can shift a little bit because it takes one team if, if Carr connects on that deep pass instead of throwing a turnover and you cough up a touchdown, you just lost that game to a team you should have beaten relatively easily. So not sure what's going on on the, on the Kansas City side. They have all the pieces. They don't have any major injuries that are holding them back. Whether it's teams just sort of figuring it out and game planning properly. The Raiders have been good game planners all season, even though I don't think they should have won a lot. I can't say they shouldn't have won. I wasn't expecting them to win some of the games that they did win. On paper, I wasn't expecting it either. So this, this is another one of those where you say, do the Chiefs have an off day or did the Raiders just have a stellar day? Could have been a combination of those two things, but the Chiefs need to figure out ways to, you know, put the, the, the pause button on some of these teams they should be beating. Otherwise, we have a very interesting conversation. You start getting into the first round or two of the playoffs and they go up against the team. Got a really low seed. But if you're playing to those levels, you could be looking at like a Dolphins-Patriots upset here where the Dolphins tended to have the, the Patriots cards, even though the, the Dolphins were never in that same sort of bracket. So that's one I'm going to keep an eye on. Oh, yeah. Once the, you know, the playoffs, unfortunately, midway through the season, are for, starting to kind of form a little bit because some teams are so far out of it. You know, the wild card and the, the divisions themselves are starting to shape up. It'll be interesting to see who they who they get paired up with in those first two games because they screw up once playing against some of these teams that they should be beating and they play to their level and they're going to get bounced early, which would be uh, pretty surprising. Yeah, that that would for sure. But hey, <laughs> you know they split the series with the Raiders and that's that's what happens sometimes. All right, Monday night football last night, <clears throat> Rams Buccaneers, and I said my money mm -hmm. is on the team with more weapons. Realizing that they got to capitalize in this moment. Drew Brees is out. They got to go three and zero at least. Nope. God damn it, Tom. God damn it, Tom. How how can you go twenty six to forty eight for two hundred sixteen yards? 
what is that? Can't I do that? Can I go behind that line? I mean, like Aaron Donald didn't have a sack. Samson Ebicam is the only one from the Rams who got a sack last night. And you just like the interceptions. I don't know if the if the receiver wasn't on time or whatever it was, but absolute trash. Trash, 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 trash. I did see a meme that showed Brady looking at the um, the Microsoft Surface tablet on the sideline and had the Google Maps of how long it takes to get from Tampa to, to New England. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the caption said, if I leave right now, I can make it and not <laughs> before traffic gets bad. And I was just yeah. like, yeah, that, that's kind of how he played. Just like how you said Cam was throwing the balls like right in front of his receivers or, or over them. Like, that's what happened. Like, there was a lot of Tom Brady throws. He didn't connect on a lot of them, like yeah. over 20 of them, which is it's just uncharacteristic. Like, the running game was just not there. All three rushers they had under 50 yards combined. Yeah. Just, that's just terrible. Meanwhile, this Buccaneers defense, you got you should be able to get pressure up front. Nah, didn't happen. Then you should be able to at least stick to the people on the back end, unless you had to cover Cooper Cup or Robert Woods. Which, if you started them in fantasy, which you've been doing all this this season anyway, it's because Sean McVay's a genius in scheming up points. Uh, you got diced someone took a knife to your gut and made a picture out of it and then cut you up about 10 other ways just just because they filleted you they made you a sushi plate last night look at this cooper cup 11 receptions 145 yards robert woods 12 receptions 130 yards and a touchdown both longs of almost 40 yards you've got to be kidding me like jared goff was made to look like a superstar last night. And I understand that Jared Goff has the ability to be an NFL quarterback. Don't get me wrong. That was scheme last night. And that was Sean McVay on the sidelines, just snickering underneath his mask going, Oh, you can't stop this. Well, it's dialed up again. Oh, Hey Jared. Yeah. Go ahead and and call this, but it's really not. We're going to run the exact same play. We're just going to flip it to the other side because they have no answer for it. There's no need for me to even bring my photographic memory of the 80 plays that i have memorized for this game it's not important i need three because the buccaneers can't stop it and that's exactly what happened like this game looked closer than it really was in in perpetuity but wow you said at the beginning of this this season you said that the rams could possibly take the division i laughed at you and seattle lost to the rams now the rams have have found whatever footing they needed to Mm-hmm. And this team looks every bit as dangerous as the one that went to the Super Bowl a few years ago. The running game isn't fantastic, but it doesn't need to be fantastic when they can just scheme up whatever they want because McVay has a seemingly bottomless pit of play calls. And I, oh man, I, I, I went with the Bucks for my prediction because I, I wanted to say that Tom Brady had the experience there. But like, if you're a, a, a believer in Tom Brady doesn't have it anymore, this game is cannon fodder for you this this you look at all that film and you say this is exactly why this man doesn't need to be on the field anymore i don't necessarily know like if james winston was still there like what that would have done like the rams just have an ability to get after you in in a way that no other team does and to be honest it's good that the rams are showing this in prime time because teams need to understand that the nfc west again is one of the toughest divisions in football and the rams absolutely come at you with knives and 50 caliber bullets like they have as many weapons and they can hurt you in as many ways as they want to, and they can really blow you up, but they can also just slice you apart 
And that's exactly what happened in this game. That was just, that was terrible. I was just watching it and it was just cringing. Like, you know, you know, that meme where it's like the, the person's poking the, the other person on the ground. It's like, yo, do something, do something. That's, <laughs> that's what everyone wanted Tom Brady to do last night. And it didn't happen. Yeah. Last night was one of those weird games where ah! like Tampa's offensive line goes from like looking decent to just looking bad. And last night they just looked bad. Now, one of the strengths of Tom Brady is he doesn't take a lot of sacks because he gets the ball out even if he's sacked. But what I don't know, I was going to try and find it real quick before I chimed in here, but I don't see, like, time under pressure for, like, this game in particular because he seemed like, even though he wasn't getting hit, he was constantly under pressure and had people in his face. He's just one of those guys that's really good at getting the ball out before he goes down. So, um Typically, those go up as incomplete passes because you just kind of chuck them out to, you know, you're throwing the ball away. So a lot of times his uh, completion percentage gets thrown out of whack because he's about to go down. He tosses the ball out. It's an incomplete pass. Okay. You could, last night, you could equate for maybe like five to 10 of those incomplete passes as being times where he threw the ball away because he was going to go out. Now, he had some really bad picks, but. Here we are talking another week talking about Tom Brady and his two interceptions. Nobody seems to be talking about Jared Goff on the other side of the ball, who also threw up two interceptions because they happened to win the game. So I think this is one of those people are looking for the cliff. They're waiting for it. So every time Tom Brady has a screw up, they call him for it. But anyway, yeah, last night was a tough game to watch. Uh, they couldn't get anything done. Um, that last pick he had was just really, that, that one was really, really bad. I don't know if that was a blown route by somebody because it was off by that much. It looked very much like somebody missed their spot. So yeah, that that was an interesting one. I'm not ready to say yeah, get Tom Brady off the field because his rating is still, he averages a 95 rating this season. So I mean, for me that, you know, I, it's fine. I mean, look at how many times Russ has turned over the ball. Let's look at Aaron Rodgers, how many times he's turned over the ball. Uh, it, seems, don't, don't. it seems very, yeah. It seems very interception heavy this season where, you know, most quarterbacks are throwing up at least one or more a game. Some guys throwing up a little bit more than that. They will go nameless. Uh, uh, their name rhymes with uh, Russell Wilson. Um, or, <clears throat> or Moving Jones, on. Or Daniel Jones. <laughs> um, but anyway, I that one was a tough one. It is the Rams. We know they're a relatively decent team, so. If Tom has a couple of these games in a row where he's like that, maybe we start looking at, you know, his future. But the games other than last night, he's still looking stellar. And he almost he had a bomb, a forty yard bomb that was through the hands of Brown, which would have changed the entire look of that game. Uh had another one deep downfield that ended up being brought back for uh passing interference. So there was plenty of times where they had an opportunity to get this ball or get this game in hand and just and just missed. So I'm not doom and gloom yet. We'll get another week, a couple weeks, see what happens. All right, moving on. Week 12, we have a Turkey Day triple header. There's some teams that always play, mm. the Lions, the Cowboys, and this year we got a nice marquee matchup. Let's start with the Texans-Lions, 1230. Ah, dude, these games, games are just these games are just bad, bad. But, I mean, Texans-Lions, yeah. The three and seven against the four and six going, and then the following game is a three and seven against a three and seven team. So neither one of these is going to be great. 
I'm going to rapid fire through a lot of my picks for this, uh, this upcoming week, just to get you guys out of here. Um, this one, I think the Texans are going to ride their momentum coming into this game. They found a little bit of their stride. Uh, the lions still up and down. It's really hard for me to get behind the lions with any sort of confidence just because they keep letting you down. So I'm going to go Texans riding a little bit of that wave. I think they're, uh, I think Deshaun's kind of figuring it out. Unfortunately, it's a little bit late in the season. I think he's kind of figuring it out a little bit. So let's go Texans. I'm going to go Texans. But do you two. think two touchdowns? Oh, oh, two touchdowns. Two wow. Touchdowns. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Start your Texas players. Um, do you think if that's the case and the Lions lose that Patricia has a job come Friday? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think they're going to do anything drastic uh, going into the going into the off season, but. You know, hmm. interesting, interesting football team, Cowboys. Look, the Cowboys have shown a lot of fight recently. Okay. But they absolutely need to win this game to leapfrog the Eagles for the division lead. Um, remember the Cowboys kept Dalvin cook in, in check last week. Psych. Look, the Vikings should have won that game. How they didn't is beyond me, but I still think what we've theorized about Mike McCarthy this season that like, he's a great game mind, but if the player execution is not there, the end result looks really funky. And maybe I should have seen this coming because my, like McCarthy has coached against the Vikings for many years and he has a, a, like a, an obvious winning record against them. And when Justin Jefferson dropped that pass, like that would have kept the, the game tying or winning drive alive. Like you, you couldn't see McCarthy's face because he was wearing a mask, but you, you kind of have to, to think it's beyond, it's not really beyond the realm of possibility that he was smirking underneath you. Like, yeah, throw the rookie. That's exactly what we want you to do. Um, let Adam Thielen have two touchdowns. They didn't really care. I don't know that that means that that's what they should do every single game. But I think when you look at a team of, you know, of the Vikings caliber versus the team of the football uh, team caliber, that the return of the red rifle is kind of doing wonders for America's team. And if we're being honest, they could still win the NFC East, which is rather wild when you think about it. But Every game from here on out is an absolute must win. And I think that's probably what happens here this week. I, I want to believe that the football team momentum is, is good. I, I definitely think it, it smells right for an upset. I'm just not sure that it's going to happen this time. Cowboys win. All right. I got the 820 uh, Steelers Ravens game. This is obviously the best of the games that we got on deck. Obviously, I'm going to go Steelers here because I think it's the Steelers uh, game to lose until the end of the season, uh, until they show us that they're capable of losing a game. I don't have a lot of faith in Lamar or the Ravens, unfortunately, even though Lamar is my starting QB in two of my leagues, which is very unfortunate. And I also had him as at the beginning of the season. I said I would have taken him over Mahomes as the best quarterback in the league. I look like an idiot now, so there's that. Mm, um, mm, mm. <laughs> I, I do think that this does have all the recipe for a major upset game. I'm not brave enough to call it and say I think the Ravens might actually take this one, even though that's where my gut is leaning. I think it's only going to be a matter of time before Lamar has one of those, those games where he just comes out, falls out, plays well. But I think, you know, too much of this is leaning Pittsburgh's way. 
I picked up Ben Roethlisberger off the waiver wire, so I really need him to come out and perform <laughs> because I'm really struggling in that division. So maybe I'm leaning too far. I mean, in in that league, but I think it, honestly, every week for me, it's going to be Steelers until you know they show they can lose a game. But if there is a threat in the near future, the Ravens do show that. And this is unfortunately some historical bias. This isn't recency bias that you know what they've looked like this season but historically the, ca- the caliber of game that the ravens are capable of putting together then come out and have one of those they they can really play an upset here but you know until otherwise indicated it's steelers from here on out for the rest of the season uh that's, that's a very good pick because actually i got dolphins jets next and i thought look if there's any time that <laughs> the jets might actually win a game this year because Frank Gore said, I can't go 0-16. I can't leave my career like that. I can't go out like that. Um, I thought maybe it might be this because the, the Jets actually scored some points last week against the Chargers. Uh, it was actually a boatload of points, which I was not anticipating them to score. So, but, so maybe they're kind of getting some things together. But um, look, the Jets can afford to win a game or two this season and still win the Trevor um, – sorry, the number one pick sweepstakes. <laughs> they're going to be fine. So I don't see the Dolphins losing back-to-back games here. Um there's just too much on the line with the division because Buffalo's coming off their bye week. Um, and that week 17 game between the two of them is just really worth its weight in gold now. So, look, the Jets are going to make everyone nervous, everyone in Miami, um, and look like they could win. But I, I think the Dolphins will ultimately snatch a W from the jaws of Adam Gase, 24-21. Cardinals, Patriots. This is one of those th- – th- this is – for me, this is a tough call because the, the Cardinals would have been like an easy favorite. The Patriots played tough against the, the Chiefs. Chiefs beat the Cardinals. So in some of that roundabout math way, I do think the Patriots can beat the Cardinals only because I think Belichick is going to find a way to put the pause on Murray the same way the Chiefs did. And we already saw what that looks like when that happens. Um we get Gilmore and some of those guys involved help shut down some of the receiving game on top of sort of, you know, boxing in Murray, keeping him inside the edges. I think they have a really good chance. Obviously we saw what Deshaun Watson could do once he started getting mobile. So that's the flip side of that coin. They've already shown that they are able to give up uh, yardage to quarterbacks or when quarterbacks can scramble. I just think, Deshaun Watson poses a little bit more of a threat with his arm than Murray does at this point in Murray's career. I think it's going to go Patriots. I think this one's going to be another close game. Uh, It's all going to be dependent on how well Cam performs. If he continues to go out and have another performance like he did last weekend, it's going to be a a blowout. But if he can string together a decent game, connect with some of the short passes to extend drives and maybe use his legs a little bit more, they stand a pretty good chance here. I'm going to, I'm going to go Patriots in a close one. Wow. I, I would, as a Seattle Seahawks fan, I would love that. I would love that. <clears throat> Thoughts and prayers to that <laughs> not happening because it won't probably, but Hey, it's your prediction. You can do whatever you want. Uh, look, I got Panthers Vikings. Stop. If you've heard this one before. Okay. CMC may be out for this game or he may be back. We don't really know. Uh, the Panthers, former XFL quarterback, Kind of looked comfortable last week. I mean, he threw a couple picks. That was not good. But he played the lines. They still got the win. But let's be honest. Once Teddy Two Gloves steps back in there, they're going to make waves even if CMC isn't back. So to that end, if the Vikings don't ride an upset Kirk Cousins, and to be honest, he should be upset, 
because he had 300 yards and three touchdowns against the Cowboys last week. Um, I do think that the Panthers could lose this game. And I do think the Panthers will lose this game because I think that the Vikings will finally say, look, we got to snap out of it. We have to get this together. We got to make a strong push towards the end of the season. And I'm not, I'm not going full blown. You like that, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> Imagine being cook after last weekend and losing oh, that game. It's like, how like, what, much what more could you have done? Do? Play defense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, Browns, Jaguars. Jaguars are just, they're, they're not figuring it out. I don't think there's any chance for them to figuring it out over the next couple of weeks. It's going to go Browns. Um, I got to take a second, take my hat off to Mayfield. I know we kind of talked a lot of shit early oh, in the season. Oh, the end of the season. This is great. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not quite there to say like, I don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say he's some elite quarterback. I'm saying the Browns have found ways to capitalize on the players they have and the strength, the strengths of the guys they have on their team. I mean, they're seven and three. They're up there with a lot of the other, you know, superstar teams in the league. Uh, I think they've really found their way to play games. If I was a Cleveland fan right now, you know, I would be elated. Welcome to the winner's circle for a little bit. We'll see if they can continue this for a little while. It's, I'm, I am glad to see Mayfield. I, I said before, even though I was giving him a lot of grief, I didn't dislike the guy. I just thought he needed to prove himself a little bit more before putting him out there, putting himself out there as much as he has been. Uh, but hats off to Mayfield. Really turning around. Uh, regardless of what happens for the rest of the season, we have a positive thing to look back on for this season and something to build on going forward. So. I'm going to go Browns. I think the Jaguars, the mustache, the whole madness. I think, you know, that ship has sailed. I did say that at the beginning of the podcast, and you mm. guys gave me shit for you it. Did. I thought yep. the mustache was a little overrated. I thought he was in a position where, while I rooted for him, I thought him and Fitzmagic kind of had potential to be this cool story. They were very similar facial hair aside, I thought this was an opportunity for him to really come out and shine. He hasn't, and that team hasn't looked well. So uh, I will take the apology whenever you guys are ready. Uh, But he's got some things to figure out. Um, I'm still pulling for the guy. I still think he has his place in the league. He's super relatable. But um, you're looking at the Jaguars at at one and nine. I mean, they don't have a, they don't have a great team around him. So I'll cut him some slack, but could you imagine? Could you imagine the Jets win a game, Jags mm-hmm. lose out, Jags get Trevor? I would. I would leave Clemson for that. I would. <laughs> I would leave Clemson for that in a heartbeat. I would say I'm not hanging out at Clemson anymore. I'm going to go hang out at a stadium that has a pool and a bar in the end zone. Yep. Wow. And you could and you can hang out and be mentored by someone like Gardner Minshew, who's a walking like you know mobile <laughs> home party. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. All right. All right. Titans, Colts. Ooh, this is the game we've been waiting for for weeks. Okay. I can't believe you're showing me a Bud Light Platinum Seltzer right now. This is trash. <laughs> Absolute trash. 8%. I, I hope you like that Smirnoff knockoff. Anyways, shout out, shout back out to the Bud Titans. Light and Colts. If you want to get involved, <laughs> absolutely don't shout out Bud Light. It's a craft beer podcast. You're going to get our first sponsor to, to, to revoke our, our sponsorship. <laughs> I just need some hydration. Tell them you're drinking LaCroix. 
No, tell me you're drinking LaCroix. You threw a shot of vodka in it. No, no, just, no, no. I just no. need some hydration. Ugh, ugh, Titans Colts. Okay, look, this game is really important, and it's going to be really fun to watch. Um, both of the teams need to win this game, not only for divisional prowess, uh, because they both have divisional games to end the season, uh, and and they need this to make sure that it doesn't sweep. But second, they don't want to be really left trying to fend for the wild card at the end of the season. Um, and what a storyline that would be if the Ravens or the Titans or both missed the playoffs. Um, I mean, we, we talked to her. We, we think it could happen, but the Colts got to be careful. They have two, two games against the Texans upcoming. Both of those games look like trap games. So that being said, I think that we have to thank the scheduling gods that there are week 17 divisional games for both teams, because this, this game is really influential and it matters a lot. So in true 2020 fashion, I expect the Titans to win and keep things interessante um, because look, they got embarrassed on national TV once. And I just don't see it happening again. Giants Bengals. Uh, unfortunately, I think the Bengals just suffered one of the biggest losses they could have, you know, Burroughs was sort of the, that, that shining beacon that was carrying that team forward. Um, Giants, they're finding ways to kind of string together some interesting games as they start taking care of the ball a little bit better. Coming off of a bye week, I think this one really uh, is the Giants game to lose. You're going up against the team, you know, who's without their starting quarterback. Mixon's uh, still out. I think the Giants have enough. Riding the momentum, kind of game planning a little bit. I think the Giants gonna to take this one. Ooh man, Chargers Bills. Look, Josh Allen. You want the MVP hype? Go beat a younger, thinner, more accurate version of yourself, and boom, you'll be right back up to the top of the list. You're probably gonna lose to Patrick Mahomes, but at least you'll be a close second. And I mean, it doesn't really sound that hard, right? I mean, you just had a week off, but kind of let, let let's be real here. Like this game has been on the Chargers schedule encircled since the beginning of the season. This is a million percentage trap game for the Bills. It's in Buffalo, partly cloudy weather with 45 degrees is the high forecasted on, on Sunday. And like what part of me believes that a Southern California team can travel to the East Coast and play a 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time game and win against a prolific offense? Well, the part that says that sweet baby Jesus, Austin Eckler is coming back. Wee-oo, get out the upset buzzer because I think the Chargers – are going to beat the Bills by a field goal in this game. Here's why. You already saw what happened with the Hale Murray a couple weeks ago. Let me read you some stats that don't matter. Quarterback A, 299.9 yards per game, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions, 2,700 yards. Quarterback B, 287 yards per game, 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 2,800 yards. The first quarterback is Justin Herbert. The second one is Josh Allen. Now we'll go ahead and and just read off some running back stats that, again, don't matter. Running back A, 99 rush, 4.1 per yards per, you know, average, one touchdown, 401 rushing yards. It's Devin Singletary. Joshua Kelly, the team's third-string running back when Kalen Balazs isn't out there, who was jettisoned from two other teams. One touchdown, 311 yards. You see how close it is here? Now here, here's here's the X factor, receiver. Keenan Allen this year. I'm not even going to hide it. 835 yards on 81 receptions, 10.3 yards on average, six touchdowns. Stephon Diggs, 906 yards, 73 receptions, 12.4 on average, but only four touchdowns. 
I'm going to go with what I think is the more prolific pass. And at this point, I don't know that I can give it outright to Josh Allen. So I'm going Chargers upset city here. Let's go. Raiders Falcons. Uh, I think the Raiders have been superb game planners this season. Um, trying to capitalize on what they do have at talent. I think Derek Carr is finding ways to string together uh, semi-successful games. Not not that all of them have been doing incredibly well, but I think, um, you know, given Atlanta's struggle, uh, that team had been carried by Matt Ryan through a lot of the season, but even he is starting to show some weariness and some issues. Do I think he's going to have the same game with his, you know, sub 50 QBR rating like he had last weekend. No, I don't think so. But I think the Raiders are going to come in with a little bit more of a game plan than what the Falcons are currently able to string together. And I think the Raiders are going to come in and take this one pretty easily. I mean, you went out, you put up a game against the chiefs who are arguably the best team in the league, maybe second best. If you want to compare them to Pittsburgh. Um, But I, I think the, the Falcons are just struggling again, like a lot of these three and seven, two and seven teams to kind of find out who the hell they are. And of any of the teams that we've seen, you either, you know, the teams that are just really bad, you know, the teams that are really good. There are very few of these teams who are in the middle who are like, what the hell is going on with this team? In the beginning, you could say it was the defense on the, the Falcon side. Cause they were giving up 30, 40 points a game. Matt Ryan was going out and scoring a shit ton of points every single game. Problem now. Matt Ryan isn't scoring those same points game in and game out. So as your defense continues to give up a lot of these points and your offense starts to struggle a little bit, you're prime for a lot of these losses and a string of losses. I mean, you're already three and seven. So uh, the string is already there and, and has happened several times, but it's going to continue to happen. Unfortunately, I'm going to keep picking against the Falcons until Ryan shows a little bit more of, you know, that early season magic that he had and that defense figures their shit out but until then they're in for a very long second half of the season Raiders have a better game plan I'm gonna go Raiders womp womp all right into the four o'clock hour here let's get it going uh 49ers Rams I'll save you a whole bunch of hot air because I need to save it for the Seattle prediction at the end of the episode (laughs) Rams not close at least 14 points I like it moving right along Saints Broncos. Um, this one kind of surprised me a little bit. Drew Locke uh, has been hit or miss throughout the first half of the season. We got the Saints. They're without Drew Brees, but most of their weapons are back. Um, why are we try and figure out this weird quarterback situation coming off of the win they had uh, in this last weekend with Taysom Hill? I think that's going to be a new look Saints team who can utilize the quarterback as an offensive player and a threat to move the ball on his own. I think it's going to be tough for a team like the Broncos who have little to no game plan on that to come out and defend against that completely. Um, I actually think this will be another Saints win. I think the Saints are going to come out that are probably a little bit closer. We saw the Broncos come out with a strong game last weekend. They'll probably come out with a similar strong attempt. I just think you now have that X fact that you had been game planning for or planning on all season who suddenly is different. Um, 
going to prove to be a little bit of a problem. I think you may see Taysom Hill cause a couple problems for the next few weeks until see, until teams get tapes on him. You have analysts who don't even know what to make of the guy yet. So I think until you can figure that out, it could be hard to put up uh, a plan for you. You try and stop him as a run, and then suddenly we find out he can throw the ball because he could throw the ball last weekend at 260-plus yards. So it isn't just his legs you got to worry about. So. I think this one's going to be, uh, you're going to get a couple sneaky Saints wins over the next few weeks. I think this is going to be one of them. It'll probably be a closer game than what, uh, uh, if, if, if Breeze was in here, I think Breeze would have just come in and may have put up some points. But I think this one probably going to be a little bit of a closer game, but I do think, uh, I, I think the Saints are going to pull this one out and they're going to have a couple awkward looks that are going to help them get that way. Uh, Chiefs, Bucks. If the Buccaneers had won against the Rams last week, I would have thought they would have had a shot in this game, but they didn't. They lost by, you know, at least a field goal. But to be honest, it felt like it was going to be worse than that. Uh, you know, the final score doesn't always really kind of tell you how bad the game was or wasn't for a single team. Chiefs at 9-1. and one. The Chiefs are not losing this game. Patrick Mahomes has, has played Tom Brady at least three times, maybe more. I don't know the exact number, but I do remember it's two times in the postseason. I think at least once in the regular season. Yo, just let's appreciate what Mahomes is doing. Let's appreciate what Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid are doing, which is absolutely nuclear warfare against the rest of the league. Bucks couldn't get pressure and stop Jared Goff from looking like Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is going to look like a demigod out there. Chiefs by at least eight. I actually think this one might be when the Buccaneers are going to come out and surprise us because they seem to come highs and then they have a low and then they come back with a high. Although I don't know if I would necessarily call hmm. last weekend a low, even though they lost it. I still think, I don't know. The Buccaneers are kind of a weird team. Every time I want to like write them off, they come back and the last time I wrote them off, they put up like a 40 spot and won by like three touchdowns. So, no, no. I, I have a feeling the 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 Bucks are going to come in. Tom has beat Mahomes in some pretty pivotal, high profile games. So when he had the when he had the greatest defensive coach behind him, yeah. I mean, they're seven and three. They've only lost two more games mm. than the Chiefs have. It's not like we're looking at a a Patriots team now versus a Chiefs team. So God, I just wish birds. you would let go of Tom. The upset, the upset birds, the, the squawking. I would love to, but they're seven and just, three, and he's having a great year. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Bears, good. Maybe I'll take the fat L next week, but I doubt it. Bears the Packers seems like an easy pick. Hundred percent. Seems like okay, Packers all day, every day. But Packers seem to be a weird team who likes to flirt with L's a lot. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, obviously we already talked about his complaints and not having any offensive members added to the trade deadline. This is what happens. This is what happened last year. The moment you started hearing him in the media talk about not adding potential, not adding playoff, I mean, uh, um, offensive players to their roster, suddenly after that, they start, you know, that up and down swing. And I think they really have potential to show that this week. They lost last weekend to a team I didn't think they had any reason to lose to. Up until week six, week seven, we were talking about Rodgers being potentially one of the 
MVPs of this season, but you know, now he's going up against Ben Roethlisberger who has, you know, no losses. Mahomes is only one loss. So it's pretty clear that, you know, if it moves beyond those two guys, that, that seven and three pack is, you know, chock full. I mean, Brady isn't that seven. Is Brady an MVP this season? No, uh, that's not what I'm saying. But if you had to compare Brady and Rogers, you could say one went to a new team with some new players and is still finding similar success to the Packers. So I think those guys are just out of it. It's going to be Mahomes. It's going to be uh, Dalvin Cook might even be part of that MVP conversation. I know he's not a quarterback and historically they go to quarterbacks, but just, just some thought out there. But um, this one's a tough one for me because uh, everything in my body tells me that it should be the Packers. But with the Packers being up and down, I wouldn't be surprised that a Bears upset. I'm still going to go Packers because Aaron Rodgers, they're 7-3. They string together drives, and in, in, like you said earlier, he finds ways to make his receivers better and finds ways to you know pull out wins and some miracle plays. And I think this one actually might come down to one of those, like, holy shit, Aaron Rodgers moments because Bears are 5-5. Five and five. It's not that far off of seven and three, so we can't completely write them off. Uh, Packers have shown a little bit of vulnerability. They got a little bit more time to game plan coming into this game on the Chicago side, so I am going to go Packers. I think it's going to take some crazy play in order for this to for them to pull this one off, but I will go Packers. And here you are, Sam, in all your glory, the moment you've been yes. waiting for for most. Oh of my the God! Season. I've been so happy about this. Yes. So I'm sorry it's got to be up against the Eagles, though. I thought I was going to give you, I thought you were going to get a better matchup, but here we are. Hey, at, at seven and three, Seattle needs all the winnable games they could possibly win, okay? Because hmm. they finished the season against the Rams and the 49ers. So none of those games are a given. And none of these games against the remnants of the NFC and the Giants. Ugh. Anyways, Nin- anyways. Niners look. is a given. Niners is a given. Come on. Well, I mean, I want to say yes, but like, I don't want to get too cocky. The last time I got right. cocky and I tagged someone in a Facebook post, it was a Bills fan, and they lost that game decisively. So I, yeah. I can't be, I can't be invoking that bad juju anymore. I can't be doing that. <laughs> Listen, the Eagles have not beat the Seahawks in the Russell Wilson era, and I don't know if that's because Andy Reid, when he was with the Eagles, wanted to draft Russell Wilson, and Seattle took him right before they did that. Uh, but I don't see this as anything except a nice get Russ back in the MVP conversation. Let Russ cook movement is going to be picking up some steam this week. Uh, listen, 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 Linda, listen, the second time I said this, you better listen up. Okay. <laughs> they have lost to Seattle every time in the last decade, every time. Okay. 2011, they lost 14 to 31. 2014, they lost 14 to 24. 2016, they lost 15 to 26. 2017, 10 to 24. 2019, 17 to 9. And last year, also 17 to 9, in which DK Metcalf came out there and absolutely owned the soul of every single Philadelphia sports fan with 140 plus yards, set a rookie record, caught the, you know, the the pass that that put out the clock, put out the, the peace sign, just riled up the Eagles fans. The Eagles are in complete disarray. The Seahawks mm. have finally got some sort of identity back on defense. Thank you, Cincinnati Bengals. Thank you so much for not allowing Carlos Dunlap to completely flourish 
and become a, you know, a member of your ring of honor, because we will, <laughs> will definitely take the pass rush, which has been suspect and missing. And we need like, you know, the, the detective from the, what's that, what's that we need like Columbo or, you know, inspector gadgets. Someone need to figure out where the Seattle pass rush went <laughs> and guess what is back. And Carlos Dunlap has three sacks in three games. How many sacks did Jadevian Clowney have with Seattle all last year and this year? Oh, wait, Clowney's now on IR. Look, I just, I think there's so much that could go into this game. Seattle's now at the point in their season where they would have stumbled early, but they would be figuring it out. And then they were going on a streak Mm -hmm. and they've already begun to do that. Thankfully they had, they won the first five games and, you know, now we look back at that those opponents and we say, oh, was that really a great stretch? But we're not going to talk about that. They are where they are right now. A lot of good teams are three and seven. A lot of bad teams are three and seven. Seattle goes, they're going to win this game decisively, and they're going to be an eight and three. I think they win this game by. Come on, give it to me. Oh, oh, ah. Chris Carson's going to be back. Shakur Griffin's going to be back. Carlos Dunlap's getting pressure. And it's the Eagle. 21 points. Dang. 21 points. I said it. I said what I said. For anyone who didn't pay attention earlier in the uh, broadcast, the Seattle Seahawks are currently at last in the entire league on yards given up per game. So 21 points would mean a really, really, really bad game for the. Eagles and a really the good Eagles, game by the which defense. is going to happen. Yep. So let's see what happens. Count right, it real quick. Count it. It's now, happening. All right. Now that we've gotten through everybody, I just need to give some staggering stats by about one of the games on this roster. And it's, I promise, I promise it's not because it's a Tom Brady game. It's just Tom Brady's the oldest quarterback going up against one of the youngest quarterbacks. Listen to some of these if you want to feel old. So if we compare the two quarterbacks, Tom Brady has 295 games. Patrick Mahomes, 40. <laughs> Tom Brady has started. Yeah, he's got a winning percentage in most of those. Tom Brady has 200. No, I'm not. I'm not comparing them for the game. I'm just comparing the age and the gap between those two more as an indicator as to how old Tom Brady is. Tom Brady has started 293 games. Patrick Mahomes has started 40. Tom Brady has won 226 games to Mahomes, 32. Like, you're starting to see. But here's here's a stagnant one. You've heard a lot of 200 numbers, 300 numbers. Losses as a starter. Tom Brady, only 67. That's a little crazy. Mahomes has only lost eight. Also crazy. He started 40, has only lost eight. Uh, neither one of them have ties. Their winning percentages are almost identical. Passing completions, 6,631 yards to 940. Oh, my God. You're putting me to sleep with your Brady love. No, he doesn't no, play no. for New England anymore. Tim, no, let no, it go. This let is, it go, Tim. I, I would do the same thing. As Elsie says, Brees. let it go. Let no, it go. I would, I would do he doesn't play for, for your Drew team Brees. anymore. This is, this is just about being old as shit. <laughs> this is what this is. This isn't, I'm not reading these as a mark of greatness. This is to show the staggering difference between some guy who's in his eldest season of any other quarterback compared to someone who's young in their career, which is just mind-blowing. The difference between trash. some of these. 
I can't I can't believe you this podcast. Not only did you drop a subliminal anger chair reference, but then you just went ahead and I tried to get some thunder at the end of this episode and you gotta go and dirty it by talking about Tampa Bray. Tampa Tampa Bray. You should Papa be Bray. equally impressed by Mahomes and Russell Wilson isn't as big of a gap. Otherwise, I would have done them just to do it. But mm-hmm. it just happens mm-hmm. to be... I'll yeah, who won these. the last game between the Chiefs and the Seahawks? Oh, it was Russell. Yeah, I forgot. Won the game. Unfortunate. Yeah. 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 So, it's fine. Huh. I wish you the best of luck. Oh, my goodness. We always devolve back to that. We're out. Talk to you next week. Peace.